how can I have spiritual integrity with my sex life, you know? And like, that doesn't have to look like I'm a fucking Puritan. So that's why I mean, I'm curious to ask other people about what their experience is with it, you know? What does their, what does others healing look like? everybody this is Ryan and this is Louisa and you're listening to sober sex I made a promise to myself to stop not listening what it looks like now is that I make conscious choices around my sexuality it started with putting down the substances really and starting to listen and the listening to my body has changed Today we are stoked to introduce a wonderful guest, which I'm super excited to chat to, Valerie Cheney. She is a mindfulness teacher and a dance instructor and has a weekly podcast, which I'm absolutely obsessed with, with her husband called We Made It Weird, where they discuss themes like embodiment, spirituality, meditation, healing from trauma, and navigating intimate relationships, among many other things. I am really pleased you're here today. Welcome. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to chat with both of you. Oh, thanks for making the time for it, for sure. What are your pronouns, Valerie? She, her. And where are you today? Uh, I'm in Los Angeles, California, in um, what I refer to as our garbage room. (laughs) (laughs) This is um, this is the room that I I don't do anything with. I just show up and like, I'll use the computer when I need to. So it's a really good glance at what our house would look like um, if my husband had free reign. And and like if I wasn't just constantly in a state of cleaning. So is that a sauna in the background? Yeah, there's a sauna, which which we cut for glamour. Love it. Like very expensive garbage. (laughs) We use the sauna, but I was I was just staring at the sauna that we've had for three years at least today, like yesterday. And I was like, wait a minute, why did he put it inside? You could you can put these outside. Especially in LA. It's a desert climate. I know. Like, yeah, it just is taking up so much useful space. But I just I like it's very laissez faire with this room. I don't I don't even think about it. Garbage room with a sauna in. Amazing. Fantastic. Yeah. Um, and I remember you actually like speaking on your own podcast about kind of um the not conflict is the wrong word, but like what kind of came up early pandemic about trying to control kind of internal feelings via cleaning. And I just wanted to like hard relate. Yes. <laughs> there was a whole schedule of like, this is when we vacuum and this is when we sweep. And it would like, it was now completely out the window, <laughs> but didn't you like polish your table as well, Lou? I, that's a, I mean, that's still a beautiful ritual, but yeah. yes. <laughs> That's not out the window. I'm no, still, I mean, I'm still polishing the table. It's like a once a month thing now, but still, it's like, oh, look at this. We shot, we oiled the table. I'm turning into my father. <laughs> you all. I know, isn't it? Like all these things. I just remember, like, I remember watching my mom, like, reach in the drain to, like, pull out old food when she was doing dishes. And I was like, oh, I will never do that. And now I just don't, I'm like, this is not even the grossest thing I've touched today. <laughs> Slightly. Yeah, you just become your your parents. But yes, I you're referring to the rage cleaning. I would just like, 
just like be vacuuming and picking up. I mean, there's just all of these like glass bottles from Pete's sparkling waters that just never would get thrown away if I if I wasn't around. So <laughs> It's actually amazing. It's like this morning radio thing is happening because like obviously listeners can't see what, that you're picking up a bottle, but we can hear it and it's fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> I, I accidentally hit the um medicine or the singing bowl. Yeah. <laughs> Which I, I also was. can't see. I was like, what is that bottle? Its frequency is amazing. Yeah. <laughs> it's very soothing. Like in the garbage room, we see both like the <laughs> the trash the of human existence and the singing and bowl. The singing bowl. <laughs> I know. I'm so sorry for the listeners that you can't see the garbage room in the sauna. <laughs> in the beautiful metaphor. <laughs> yeah. Build it in your mind, friends. <laughs> yeah, we can't do everything for you. You do it yourselves. <laughs> go there. Go there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's pretty exciting. Um, how did you two meet? How do you guys know oh, each other? Know. I just hit Valerie up on Instagram. Was like, hey, I want to be on our podcast. Oh, we love your podcast. <laughs> yes. Wow. Because Lou was- sent me your podcast and was like, this is amazing. We need to speak to Valerie. And I was like, all right, let's have a little listen. And then literally I listened to it. I'm like, wait, await with bated breath. And I'm like, this episode. And it's so fabulous. And then I was like, oh, clearly they know each other because Lou speaks about you like That's you've weird visited. <laughs> Oh, I love that. Well, I'm sorry, Lou. (laughs) No, we, I mean, we just like talk very real on that podcast. We, we divulge all of our personal stuff. So it is, it, it is like, you know us. I mean, if you're listening to that, um, I love that. It's been so nice to like kind of li- I I listen to podcasts while I ride my bike to the the horses that I share. <laughs> this is like <laughs> I a love that of my sentence. Life in confinement. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, it's beautiful falcon. though because it's like <laughs> I, I'm my birthday is in three days and I want a falcon. that looks like a but an eagle. Anyway, goes <laughs> on the bike. I Listeners, start a GoFundMe. Just kidding. Uh, don't do that. Um, uh, but it's beautiful to kind of feel to ha- to be overhearing these conversations that are so kind of intimate and joyful and funny and and really honest. And it's like it's kind of very much the energy that we want to cultivate on sober sex in terms of like the you know the I guess it's like contact with both the spiritual and the mundane and it, within discourse, you know, that I mm-hmm. is makes it accessible and very human and like n- nothing that's kind of too lofty, but very like grounded in the, in the mud <laughs> in, in, a, yeah. in, a, in a beautiful way. Yeah. I love that. That's such a great way to put it. Yeah. It's like, what does it look like to actually try to like live this stuff out and to, and to like be, I mean, it's just a constant forgetting and remembering and I feel like we have episodes of our podcast where we're really into it. And then there's episodes where we're just like, oh, fuck everything. <laughs> like, I can't, I just can't right now. <laughs> Which I yeah. think is so helpful that you're actually talking about because, you know, I mean, especially kind of, I remember the week after the election, like everybody I talked to was just in a hard place. It was like a like global funk <laughs> and not the kind fun kind of funk, but like a, malaise generally and it was so helpful to kind of hear that that's not even unique locally (laughs) you know like you're on the other side of the world feeling that so thank you for your service (laughs) yeah oh boy I feel like everybody I knew after even after finding out that Biden won it was like when you um you know like have a 
have like a break from school and then you get sick or something. Mm -hmm. Like we were all just so finally like, like breathing. And then it, and then like we started doing like a dark spiral that had been almost (laughs) building. Yeah, it's been building. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, well, it's, I expected like, especially working in the kind of live performance industry, and maybe you guys too. But this idea that like once there was a vaccine, it would feel better. Or once you know the good guys won, apparently we would feel better. Like, and it wasn't happening. It was just like, like it was kind of the come like coming to see the the truth of like expectations <laughs> and how it's yes. all a construct anyway. Yes. It, yeah. It's kind of like, no matter where you go, there you are that feeling like you're like still you and your shit and your, and your brain, you know? <laughs> Amen. <laughs> and also that like that, that this too shall pass not to kind of use too much of a trope. So how did um, we made it weird come about? Uh, well, basically, we just – I'm trying to remember the exact moment. I, it definitely came from, like, a lot of little moments of trying to have deep conversations and then, like, our daughter being like, applesauce, applesauce. And you're like, okay, I'm trying to tell you about this, like, Idea. deep spiritual thing. Yeah. Um, and just realizing that we could never get more than five minutes of a conversation which really is kind of, I'm, I don't know if that's like the foundation of our relationship, but it is like a huge, it's a huge part of it is just, we both love like reading and digesting and like, and then sharing with each other and talking about it. So we just wanted to, um, to be able to like have an uninterrupted conversation and, <laughs> I mean, yeah, it it started with me being like, maybe I'll like, I think I kind of made a joke, like maybe I'll just be a guest on your podcast. And then we, um, I think we did one and we were like, that was really fun. Maybe let's just keep, make this a thing. So yeah, it's, it's a really good way to dedicate time for each other. Amazing, That's beautiful. And I mean, I guess like something that seems to present itself over and over again is like your kind of mutual navigation through like quite esoteric themes <laughs> and this idea that like I know that in previous relationships not so much the one I'm in now but it's been hard to kind of especially in France where um culturally like the idea of like a, a relationship with a higher power or even like the word god whatever that means is like super private and it's like a really kind of intimate thing that if you talk about it in like in in public or like in even like close company it's it's kind of uh it's it's very bizarre i would say would you agree rose in what way that like it's not you don't it's not it is not done <laughs> it's like you know it's it, 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 it this kind of i mean i i um was living in uh new york and then i moved to los angeles for seven years and got sober and then moved here but the, like the kind of hippie dolphin ramdas like jesus whatever like the the cafeteria style spirituality that's very accessible in the US especially on the west coast like does not is not really here mm. and so in previous relationships it's been kind of challenging to navigate idea like mm. spiritual conversation because um if somebody has a different very different or very much more um, closely held idea of how the universe works or what spirituality is or what their higher power is, it became almost a conflict. Like Mm. (laughs) it was sticky, you know? So I was wondering if that was ever your experience 
together. Like if you ever have deeply different ideas of how, how things are navigated or, or like a God concept. Wow. That's a great question. Um, yes. In the sense that like, it's all, it's all very kind of loosely held by both of us. We come from a very similar background. We come from like evangelical Christian, like, being very involved in the church. My parents were the pastors of the church. So oh my gosh. yeah. So just like, just fully immersed. And, um, and there is, I think maybe even a, an unconscious choice from both of us that seems to be like, I'm not going to be like fundamentalist about anything ever again, or at least in my spirituality. So um so it's all just it's all it's all just kind of what is working for you today. And I, you know, Buddhism tends to be the um thing that the well that I go to over and over, but even like Pema Chodron who's a, a great teacher Pema, we love Pema. <laughs> oh, Pema, she's so great. She makes a point in her um I'm trying to remember what oh, The Wisdom of No Escape is the book. And she has a chapter called like one boat or something. And she makes the point that you should choose one tradition and really follow that through. Cause otherwise you might risk jumping anytime things get uncomfortable, mm-hmm. um, which I think is a great point. And I really wrestled with that for a while. And I, I kind of have decided at least for this stage in my life, I'm not, I, that doesn't work for me because of my background that mm. like cher- cherry picking is really valuable. And I, I feel like I dig plenty deep <laughs> um, using my method of, of, of picking from different traditions. Um, I would say the one difference is that Pete is, I think a little bit more, if we were putting labels on it, I would say that I'm like a Buddhist mystic and he's more of like a Christian mystic. He still really, loves the narrative of Jesus and um, finds more teachers that are kind of into that. And I, I don't know, I don't, I don't have any problem with it, but that's, that's just not exactly what rings my bell right now. You know, that's super interesting also that you're able to kind of name it, you know, and be like, this is, this is my edge of the braid and this is your edge of the braid and we can weave them together. (laughs) Yeah. But one of our favorite things to talk about is how all of these these different teachers throughout different kinds of backgrounds and, and belief systems are kind of saying the same thing. We like to find the commonality and it's really, it's definitely, you know, looking at it through a more of a mystic lens, but, um, but we love being like, I'm like, Pima children said this and he'll be like, that's exactly like what Richard Rohr, the Franciscan friar says, you know, and we love to like <laughs> find the similarities. Yeah. Oh my God. How brilliant that you guys, it sounds like you guys have kind of like philosophy class. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we're wearing turtlenecks and smoking cigarettes. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> How fantastic to bring that into your couple. How much do you kind of um, carry that, those philosophies? I know your child's quite young, right? How old, how old is your child? Two. She's two. two. Mm-hmm. So obviously like you're just doing parenting right now, but how much do you kind of how much does that inform how you parent in a way? It's, it's actually been very informative. Um, there's a great book called uh, Conscious Parenting that is 
I mean, Eckhart Tolle does the like blurb for it. <laughs> so it's, it's very aligned with this stuff. And it really, I mean, it basically, the thesis of it is, is being present for your child, just like you want to be present for your own life. Mm. Um, and that is not something that, I mean, that is a real constant practice. Like every minute I would say is different of whether I can do that or not. But, um, but definitely the themes, I mean, one of the greatest gifts that parenting has given me is that I've been able to sort of parent and reparent parts of myself um, using the things that I've learned. And it's so incredibly healing. For example, I'm like trying, I mean, my main practice, I would say, is being able to just like sit and allow my uncomfortable and extreme feelings. I feel like the first, the first like 29 years of my life were all about avoiding my feelings. And only in the last few years since I got pregnant, actually, am I just learning to like be with my feelings. Mm. And that's the same recommendation that this book and other um, parenting experts that I love say for children. It's like when they're having a tantrum, just show them that you can sit in it with them. Like, Oh my God. Wow. Just hold the space for them and, and you can say and give them language. So we say a lot of times like, wow, you're really sad. I see that. Oh, oh, you're mad. You know, <laughs> and you just tell like giving her the words for it. Um, but trying really hard not to rush that experience. Like, you know, and also noticing sometimes they do need help out of it after they've gone, mm -hmm. you know. Um, but every time I do that for her, I, I like use it as a reference for when I have to do that to myself. And like, it yeah. really feels very, very healing to, to do it for, for myself and for her. Oh, yeah. that's so inspiring. I'm pregnant right now. And um, <laughs> congratulations. Thank you so much. And I'm just like, I ordered a shit ton of like books, not for Kindle, because I feel like pregnancy deserves like the hard copies. You, know? <laughs> you want to underline and yeah. Yeah. I want to get, I've sat there and I just like, I'm kind of reading these books and learning so much and learning that there's so many variables of people's opinions out there but also just like looking for that anchor that spiritual anchor and I've heard exactly in these first like 10 minutes of the podcast like exactly what I needed to hear because I needed to hear that there is there is something around conscious parenting I told myself when I wanted to become a mum and I intentionally got pregnant that all I wanted to do for a child like whatever the fuck it's not up to me, but that I wanted to be present. And just to hear that there's a book called Conscious Parenting. Is wrote it down, Rose. <laughs> yes. Because <laughs> I will forget everything in like 10 minutes. But um, but it's so exciting because this is the second time I've heard from somebody and a really good friend of mine who's a therapist in Texas was saying this this week. She was talking about her experience of being a mom and just saying that she couldn't believe that her and her husband were having this like healing of their inner child whilst parenting and I was like is that allowed I just you know and I'm like this is incredible <laughs> yeah I mean I would say for people who are who are trying to be present and and who are trying to have a practice it's it's almost unavoidable you'll see like you're like wow this is just you have opportunity after opportunity to kind of show up for your child in a way that feels like it is healing wounds 
it, mm. it's it's really really such a gift. It's it's very powerful. I'm really excited for you. <laughs> Thank you. I am too. <laughs> it, it, it's like I mean, it's the best. It's we're we're obsessed with her. She's it's just it's so much fun. And you've been so transparent about your own kind of therapeutic process and like, what's that look like, which has been also super interesting because like, I'm like, that's my shit. Like, <laughs> like I mean, I like, I love the kind of different technologies we're able to use to, again, like reparent and heal and just have like different relationships with ourselves. And I know that you guys have kind of unpacked some like, i did a, a couple workshops and it's like a, a dream, a dream at this point to be uh, in training to be a gestalt therapist. But you did some, um, but you you mentioned some really interesting stuff around like internal family systems. And I was wondering if that kind of, um, I know that hearing about it and then kind of doing some more research was very helpful and like addressing, like, addressing the different parts that were kind of being activated with a lot more compassion. Cause it was like, Oh, you're just doing your job. Like, would you mind unpacking that and speaking a little bit more to it? Cause I think it's so fascinating and so helpful. Yes. I'm thrilled to, it's my favorite thing to talk about. Yeah. So I, I mean, I really, it, I just found a great therapist. Basically, when I was, um, is, I mean, like as soon as I became pregnant, like the day of conception, I, uh, I went into like this this depressive episode that is was so unlike anything I'd ever experienced. And in hindsight, one of the ways that I understand that is like like she was just like this little light that just stored like shine shone shone shined uh and like all the cockroaches in behind my organs and everything just kind of came out and all of this wow. trauma that I wasn't looking at was just revealed to me and then through the process of being pregnant and Rose maybe you're experiencing this too like you're checking in with your body so much that it's really like you come to nurture your body um, and it was the first time I had become embodied. So, huh. so then I found a therapist at when Lila was like maybe two years, two months old. And, um, and she really introduced, I mean, like somatic healing, embodiment work and parts work. So she doesn't really do internal family systems, um, exactly, but it is what you said. It's like addressing the different parts of you. And just like having a conversation with them and and compassionately um, allowing them to to show you what like what they're doing, what the motivation is behind it. It's really like trusting that your whole system wants to keep you alive. That's just what it's doing. It's it's got one goal, and it has the same goal, but it goes about it different ways. And it goes about it in ways that sometimes are actually counterproductive to your own healing. <laughs> and um, instead of being really frustrated and like, what's and taking it personally, what's mm -hmm. wrong with me? Mm -hmm. um, really looking at just the the first part of parts work that's very helpful is that it is just a part of you. It isn't you. So recognizing that I am not my anxiety, I'm not even 
an anxious person. I think one time I said that to my therapist and she was like, I don't really love that. <laughs> like, like, that way. Way. <laughs> yeah. She's like, it moves through all of us. Why, why is that your identity? Because just because it's moving through you. Um, and so looking at it as this is just a part of me. And then, um, and then like the compassion is so key. And my brain is kind of, I can have compassion for my feelings. I have compassion for my body. Um, but my brain is really the one that I have to like constantly try to mm. not just see it as like, mm. you're the obstacle to everything. If you could just like, shh, <laughs> you know, then I'll be, then I would be able to like be embodied all the time or, um, be present or whatever. And my therapist has really helped me see that when you are dissociated, um, your brain has to take full control. It's like Mm -hmm. the body hasn't been invited. So the brain is like almost like an overprotective single parent. That's like, I've been the one protecting you this whole time. So it's not so easy to let go of that control, you know? Yeah. So just having compassion. I mean, compassion is just maybe the most healing thing. (laughs) Having self-compassion is, it's key. Yeah. And really, like, I don't know about you. Oh, but firstly, I just want to backtrack. Thank you for sharing that because that's a really beautiful process. Um, that it sounds like and a gift that you gave yourself through becoming a mother and just coming. And I'm curious about you're a dancer, right? So how do you kind of align that practice with dissociation? Because I know that I used to be an actor. I mean, I still am an actor, but on and off, right? More, I do a different type of job now, and acting was actually a tool for me to get present because when I was on stage, I was fucking present. Like there was no dissociation, but like real life peace. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? So how did you, how do you do, how do you do that? I don't know what my fucking question is. No, it's good. Okay, good. I loved it. I love it. And I relate to it. Yeah. I, I mean, in hindsight, I, um, I really don't think I was ever steadily in my body until I became pregnant at 29. And, um, but I loved dancing and, and I really think in hindsight, that was the only time it's like, why does this, I would just dance and be like, I don't understand. Like, I don't even understand how this feels so good. And it's, I mean, I think there's so many layers to it, but it's like, yeah, you're in your body. Be like, mm-hmm. welcome. <laughs> And and you're present and it's, it's written in our, I mean, the most beautiful thing about humanity to me is that you can turn music on for a baby who's never seen a single person dance and they will start dancing. Like, what is that relationship we have with music that our bodies just like naturally respond? It's so beautiful. Um, so yeah, it it definitely was my f- introduction. I would get little glimpses of what it was like to be in my body. And then and then once, you know, I was pregnant and I st- I continued to teach dancing until I was like 8 months pregnant, and that was the best I've ever felt. Like so powerful with this big belly, like t- leading a w- class of women dancing. Um it was just it was the most I've ever loved my body, I think. That's so beautiful. Oh, yes. No, just because I know like kind of as an athlete, 
and being in consistent training since probably getting sober, like that kind of definitely became a <laughs> secondary addiction. But mm. this idea of like you get glimpse, it, it's it's so tough. And I don't know if you guys have experienced this, but it can either be like a tool or a weapon, you know, like either mm. I can use it to really get in and get in touch and get present and like as a moving meditation or as like it was the way that I was able to move out of it like an active D- very destructive eating disorder and, t- and to choose that like if I wanted to run then I would have to eat food <laughs> like mm-hmm. um and that would yeah. be like an early epiphany but at the same time it's like it can turn into like the next obsession and did you find that that kind of came up as you uh, as you started to look back on your I guess history of like disassociation and then like dipping into embodiment like how did what did that process look like or feel like yeah. rather <laughs> yeah that's um, that's such a good point. And there were definitely dance classes that I took that I would leave crying because I felt like I couldn't do it or I was just too in my head, which is such a great metaphor for life, right? Like it's like if you're if you're too in your head, you can't your body doesn't know what to do because it's not being invited. Um, that's why I love to like now I look at dancing as like my body's time to just move however it wants to move and like express itself. Um, so I definitely had that, or I had classes where I just felt like, like, you know, just like the dancer was super cute and didn't seem to sweat. And, and I was comparing myself to her and, and, and now if I were to have that experience, which I'm not immune from it, it could happen. I think I would feel really apologetic to my body. Mm. Like I would just feel like, oh, I'm so sorry. That was your moment. And I just totally did the opposite of what we were here for, you know. Um, but it's a, it's a slow process. And I and again, it's a remembering and a forgetting and just taking that like compassion for yourself that I've spent three decades living one way. It's not gonna just be undone in three years, you know, so, so just really taking it slowly. And I feel like it was such a gift that I had dancing and that I had, um, my therapist and that I was able to see the way that she framed my healing was like, look at, look at all of that your body has held for you. So it, it, I was able to like have a loving understanding of it, but people in general and a lot of people with trauma backgrounds, it it's might take a, a little more easing into, you know, and that can just be like, give your shoulders a squeeze every once in a while, like, like literally hug yourself and see how that feels or like nurturing yourself with like a weighted blanket and, and just trying to receive that in your body. And then if it gets scary, okay, that's enough for right now. But, um, but it can be a slow process. It's it's okay. It's, it takes a while to to feel safe, to feel safe in your body. Oh, I'm crying. <laughs> Every episode, tears <laughs> for the next nine months. <laughs> I love it. That means you're doing something right. Yes. Oh, oh I so happy like- cry. I so sad cry. <laughs> like- <laughs> Same. That's a good. I'm not even pregnant. (laughs) (laughs) Louise is like emphatically carrying this pregnancy and crying alongside me. (laughs) Oh, that's a good friend. Sympathy cries. (laughs) I was real safety in your body. I love how you describe that. I mean, just oh my god, yes, I want that. And like, 
embodiment and that's so fucking profound that you have that. Mm, thank you. Yeah. And again, like, you know, there was just a a couple weeks ago, I was like, what, why am I like, why does everything seem so hard and I'm being so negative? And I was like, oh, I'm, I haven't been in my body for at least a couple weeks. So it is like, it's just a constant practice. I can't emphasize that enough. It's not like I'm like, and now I'm embodied and I get to run on the beach. And I- <laughs> Look at me. I'm embodied. What an embodied person looks like. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Day and every day. <laughs> and so I'm curious, how did, how did that kind of evolve or like what was the, the what transpired to go from this this place of like finding and and I mean achieving is the wrong word, but like starting <laughs> to explore a more embodied life and like becoming a mindfulness teacher. Like, how did you kind of learn how to how to teach that? Um, that actually it did intertwine when I was pregnant because I was having such intense because I was in my body for the first time. I was having such intense waves of like anxiety that would be followed by just kind of like lows of depression. And I, I always thought that I was like very cool, steady Eddie. Um, but I was, <laughs> it's because I was stoned for seven years before I got pregnant. And I also wasn't cool. Like in hindsight, even that wasn't working. I would be like cool. And then I would lay down in bed and my heart would be racing and all of this stuff just got so ignored. I mean, it makes me feel again, like really sad for my body. Like I need to apologize. Um, and so I just, it was like the first time I was sober. It was the first time I was checking in and nurturing my body. And, um, and like all of this stuff, it's like my body was like, okay, you're finally like here with me. Can I show you what I've been carrying this whole time? And so it was really scary and, and I, it was very intense. So I had, I have a great teacher. He's like my, my mentor, his name's David Nickturn. And he, I was sharing it with him and he was like, first of all, you could be experiencing what your mother was experiencing Mm -hmm. when you were in the womb with her, which I really, whether that's true or not, I mean, how do you even prove that? I came to really understand that, look at it that way. Because my mom had had a miscarriage right before she got pregnant with me at about like five months. And then I started coming early at six months. So she spent her entire pregnancy with me, like in bed, worried that that was going to happen again. Mm. But my mom is just not, she's wonderful, but she hasn't had the resources or the languaging around um, being able to like feel fully be in her or even express her feelings. Mm-hmm. So that stuff gets like stuffed, stuffed, stuffed. So I feel like mm-hmm. I was, the way I came to understand that was, yes, dealing with trauma, but also more than that when I was pregnant, just like, okay, I have the resources. So I will let these feelings come up and out that are my mom's feelings so that this next generation doesn't have to experience that. And it felt really cool. Like (laughs) it was really powerful to be like the bridge between my, my daughter and my mother and like, 
and be like, this stops here. I will do the healing that she couldn't do so that Leela doesn't have to. Um, and that was a mindfulness practice. I was able to, all I did, and this was what my teacher told me to do, was just sit. And as soon as the feelings came up, notice the sensation in my body and say, thank you. When you're ready, I release you and just allow it to come up and out. And that was the first time I ever did a practice like that. And I'm still like, that's my number one practice. And what made it, what's hard now, I'm trying to remember to not take it personally because I, I was able to not take it personally because I had made this story of like, these are my mother's feelings. Mm -hmm. Um, but that, but it's true. No matter what, these feelings are not personal. They just come for whatever reason. They could be epigenetic, they could be generational, or they could be something that you experienced, but it still is something that moves through you. So it's not yours. It's not who you are. Um, so that's been the, that's my, that is my spiritual practice. I would say above everything else is like sitting, meditating, bringing my awareness to my body when a feeling arises, noticing it as a sensation, trying to drop the label and allowing it to like evolve and swirl around as much as it needs to before it comes out. Nice. <laughs> that was a long answer. Sorry. No, that's perfect. It's like that's yeah. so so interesting and so cool that you kind of get to pass on this information, you know, because it's I feel like more and more I realize and I don't want this to turn into like my like <laughs> like hyper lefty hippie sh- you know like Please. and this is why capitalist <laughs> white purposes but capitalist patriarchy is bad like in this say this every every episode but like this idea that like you know that the kind of the the capitalism thrives on the pain body you know and telling us that our feelings are personal and telling us that we can ha- that we must either associate disassociate or take it personally in order to kind of like be doing the right thing all the time. Like, however that looks like politically in terms of like accepting mm. or rejecting the state of affairs and what that looks like in terms of like sticking glued to something that co- actively causes me depression and anxiety, you know, like mm. to be able to kind of take a step back and be like, oh, fuck, like I do want to be effective and loving in the world. Is this helping me do that or not? <laughs> and be like, no, if I'm depressed mm-hmm. and anxious, like I I don't want to be here. And like I must be here. I must kind of stay present in my body in the moment in order to kind of re- be in touch with the world compassionately. You know? Yeah. Yes. I mean it is the the most used trope is the like you have to love yourself first to love other people. But it really is true in my experience. Like our, I mean, our healing is so important because our wounds are kind of what gets us into them, this mess, you know? So I agree. Yeah. Starting with, I mean, loving kindness is one of another, one of my um, spiritual practice, love which is, meta. <laughs> Oh, you love the meta. Oh, good, good. And you know, you often start with yourself. You, you do, yeah. I am, may I be filled with loving kindness. May I be safe. May I be happy. Um, so that's, and that's like a, you know, thousands year old practice. So they've this, we're all just kind of relearning these things, it seems. And often it's the hardest one to give, sorry, Lou, you go. I'm just going to say it's often is the hardest one to, to show that love to. I love it in loving kindness when you get to be like, now think of a close somebody or a pet and I'm like pet <laughs> <laughs> I can do this I can do this with the dog you know <laughs> yeah 
<laughs> yeah, show yourself where you're at. Mm -hmm. totally but also and also the this whole idea that intimacy is I truly believe is really political that what we show ourselves in this love Mm. and this loving kindness directly affects like how I am in my family system how I am in my my work how I am in every space to think that I can just like cut myself into parts and be like kind of I don't know, categorized by different places and people is just like fucking A, exhausting and B, like not possible. (laughs) At some point you're going to come through, you know? Well, and at the same time, like what a, what a beautiful moment to be able to be like, oh, this is what we tried to do to survive. It didn't work. It wasn't enough, (laughs) you know, like, because if it worked, it would be like, you know, perhaps convenient, but it would also like, in, in my efforts to so do that, I've like, cut myself off from the richness of the human experience and being able to have like full relationships. And I think that that's like is so much of the work that we do in 12 step recovery is kind of um, what is it like restoring, you know, those parts. Yeah. Like we use that language specifically for a reason that's very helpful to be like, Oh, like I'm being restored in terms of like being made whole into mm. quote unquote sanity. Oh, so now that we've reached the 42 minute mark, yeah, we just like the intro. We're going to descend into. <laughs> I love it. I'm so glad. It, it would have broken my heart if you were like, and we're wrapping up. And now we're wrapping no, up. No, now it's time. It was great to chat to you. <laughs> um, so what are, like one question that we kind of move off of thematically in Silver Sex is what were some of the um, initial messages that you remember receiving around sex and intimacy or sex and sexuality when you were a kid or a young person? Mm. Well, like I said, I, I came from the Christian background and my parents were pastors. So it was very much purity culture. Um, and meaning that it was like, of course you save yourself for marriage. Um, and, and beyond that, I remember my parents saying, it's not just about not having sex. It's about keeping the relationship pure. So that was their them way of being like, don't do don't do everything. everything. <laughs> yeah. Um, which that one didn't really stick. <laughs> I was for the most part a very obedient child, but I I did I did wait till marriage. So I got married when I was 20 Woo! to the only person I had ever dated, kissed, done anything with. Oh. I know. <laughs> I'm really upset by this idea. I know. Like, well, oh. it's clearly <laughs> No, I was like, oh, well, oh, the, I, mean, I just think it's very like, hard. I like lost my virginity at like 11 or so. <laughs> well, it is but, like, <laughs> That's so interesting that you bring that up because I was thinking, you know, like I would say um, there's a reason why I won't be teaching my child the same things about sex that I was taught. Uh, so there's definitely maybe more negative, more, you know, than good things, but the good things rarely get uh, acknowledgement. So it is interesting. What it did give me was this kind of idea of like, you have this very precious gift mm-hmm. and like, don't just give it out willy nilly, like really think about it. And, and, mm-hmm. you know, their way of understanding it is like, wait until you marry that person, which is obviously the trash part. (laughs) But, um, but I would love to like pass that idea along to Leela, which is like, your body is holy ground. And like, it's your choice. And this is the part I can't wait to say to her is like, only you will really know if you're ready. Mm -hmm. Um, 
because that was the opposite of what I was mm. taught. But just this idea of like, yeah, just make sure that the person is respects it and and understands how valuable you are, even if it's somebody that you never see again after, you know. Um, so I really appreciated that part of it that I that I was I was taught to like kind of really respect what I had to offer. Um, the obviously, well, I will say the other part that I liked was that it's very tantric. <laughs> Uh, oh, like, yeah, you're you, building for years. <laughs> it's like a, sl- like a present that you open just like one tear and then you wait like a- several months and then you tear open a little bit more. Oh, oh um, so I still I still think I like maybe love sexual tension even more than sex. <laughs> like oh, I yeah, just yeah. are like making out or, you know, just the the build up to things because it was a lot of like making out and, and like dry humping in a car. <laughs> Um, yeah. So, so those were the gifts, the, the, um, uh, what is it? The, um, they didn't mean to give me those gifts, but, um, with their purity culture, but But it's beautiful that you can kind of receive them as gifts. (laughs) Yeah. 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 But I will say, obviously the most fucked up thing I think that I, I was told was that it's the woman's job to keep things pure. So is this idea of, I know, I know. So there's this idea that men like can't control themselves and they fault if they fuck up. <laughs> get that's right. Exactly. Yeah. It's it's essentially you got raped, what were you wearing? Like that was uh, I mean, nobody directly said that, but that was kind yeah. of the understanding. And um, and I just remember, you know, being 17, like making out in a car and like him unzipping my pants and me like wanting that and having to be like, I guess I'm the one that's like, no, we have to stop. Like it was just kind of the, the pure denial of like the, the female libido. Mm. It's like, this is, which has so many implications. Like, so this is just something that we do for men. And like, and then that really encourages dissociation while you're having sex because it's just, I mean, for you, (laughs) It's not for you. Yeah. And my mom really did the best that she could and came a long way from her mom who literally said, it's just for the men. You have to just lie there and take it. What a heartbreaking message to give to a daughter. Oh my God. No, I know. So she did a lot of work around that and at least was kind of, she would kind of um, be like, you know, it's, it can be fun. It's fun for you too. But but in general, like the the Christian culture that I was raised in was very much like uh, misogynistic about it. Mm. But, you know, in listening to you talk about kind of purity culture and the, and what you did actually get from it in positive ways, this idea of like, I mean, especially if we take out the word virginity, because I feel like that that's like so socially fucked up anyway. <laughs> this yeah. idea of like it's you, you you lose it. You know, it's like. Yeah. Yeah, now you're no longer yours. (laughs) Like, but I I found that I got a lot of the like, oh my my sexuality and my desire and my kind of relationship with the erotic is a gift. It's not a given. Mm -hmm. It's not for say. It's not for anybody else. It's for for me to choose to share. You know, Mm -hmm. and that like I understood that through the context of kind of like kink and BDSM. That's like, oh, that this is actually like it's something special and valuable and magical and that I get to kind of cultivate that relationship with myself before choosing to share it with somebody who I deem worthy of it. You know, I mean, I guess that, that works either way, like from kind of a submissive or dominant, um, 
or whatever <laughs> side, but it was interesting that like there are actually a lot of parallels between kind of like healthy kink, <laughs> healthier aspects of uh, purity culture. If there are so funny, yeah, that we like came from different ends of the spectrum and arrived at the same sort of lesson. Wow, I love that. Yeah, and that makes perfect sense. I love that. Yeah, yeah. Cute. And it, what what ways do you kind of prioritize intimacy today with within your partnership? I mean, again, that is um, a constant like ebb and flow and flux. Where we've been quarantined with the two year old for ten months. I mean, she hasn't been a two year old for ten months, but two year old. Stop. Yes, exactly. no one got older. Okay. <laughs> she seems the same, yeah, as she did ten months ago. But um, yeah, so it. I mean, it, we intimacy. We're really great at intimacy. Like we, we are like best friends. We're so close. We talk about everything. We really feel like very constantly like intertwined. Um, and then the sexual aspect of it has been, I mean, just like kind of us having compassion that like we're in a pandemic and and new parents and like that's just going to affect your libido. Yeah. <laughs> and honestly, I, yeah. Yeah. I mean, even for people who don't have kids, it's like that we're not like cultivating a like novelty and virility and desire practice right now. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. So there's yeah. like a life force that's just kind of stagnant and that and sexuality and creativity and all of that is like intertwined. Um, so yeah, we're, we're just like compassionate for each other. I like to joke that when you're, when you are quarantined with a toddler, you sex becomes like talking about like what you would do if the situation was different <laughs> so you're Not like very valid <laughs> yes like boy if we didn't have this kid you can bet things would get dirty you know <laughs> um, so, so and we'll like laugh about that but I I will say it's interesting because the t- and it kind of goes back to that like sexual tension thing the the sex that we have had during this time has been like some of our best work. So I don't know if it's good. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank you. And it's good to hear. It's important but it's, to like it's def- share. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it's important for us because we can get so in the best friend mode where we're just like eating and watching the West Wing and like, and you're like, wait a minute, are we just roommates? <laughs> What's going on? Um, so it is important. Ever? <laughs> <laughs> yes. So it is important to like cultivate that. Um, and, but like that can also, that is just kind of widened to like, maybe we're just like French kissing in the kitchen while she's watching, you know, Daniel Tiger's neighborhood or something like trying mm-hmm. to widen it beyond just intercourse because also it's, it's like the, we, with her, we, ha- it has to be quick very often. And that um, just like, doesn't, totally work with where my body's at right now. So, um, so yeah, it's just, like I said, it's like a constant practice, but we have been doing, it's been more like quality over quantity lately. (laughs) Beautiful to even be able to talk about it because I think that it can get really like, it can turn into kind of a mountain, you know, 
Mm-hmm. Like if it's not happening, it can bec- become a whole thing that's like feels insurmountable or t- is taken personally or, you know, like the narratives can build around why it's not happening. And like, so to even be in like dialogue about it is really like awesome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, that's the one thing that we really uh, like have going for us that kind of just saves us time and time again is that we, is that we like just talk about everything. So um, it doesn't mean that, I mean, we have disagreements about it, but it's they nothing really festers for long. Right. Right. Awesome. Yeah, that is incredible. And as you kind of have been experiencing like a, in the last couple of years, like a drop into your body or like an, a, an embodiment, like awakening, did that, do you feel like that that changed like who you were sexually? Mm, yeah, definitely. And I think I'm still learning the intricacies of embodied sex, uh, mainly the like speaking up, you know, like the, or, or understanding the like blur between sometimes I'm not in that headspace, but we start kissing and we take it slow. And then I, I really am in that headspace. And then sometimes I'm not in that headspace. And then I stay not in that headspace. And at what point do I say like, okay, I'm, I, this isn't working, you know? Um, and like, and have, and even though I have the safest partner who's like, who told me the other day, you can always say like, let's stop. I would love the opportunity to love you that way. Oh. <laughs> I know. <laughs> so beautiful. I know. I'm really lucky. But even with that, I'm like, it still is like, oh, you know, I just have the tendencies to be like, well, it's almost over. Just go. And you're like, no, 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 no. Um, so. Oh, man. I mean, it takes so much energy to be an advocate for one's own pleasure. It's oh wild. God. I'm just like, I think it's like socially as, you know, the the female gender has been like conditioned to be like, yeah. you know, think of baseball or whatever. <laughs> just something like, just, it's yeah. okay. You can leave your body. You'll be over soon. Like, what a terrible thing. So the process yeah. of like the relearning is so critical and demanding. <laughs> yes. And, and to practice it and rewarding. Yeah. And to practice it when, when you're both at your most vulnerable is really, uh, and to not feel responsibility for how your partner takes it. Like that's just so not what we learn, especially that's in the patriarchy. Level. Yeah. 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 So it's still something that I, I'm, I'm learning, but um, but also embodied sex is the best kind of sex when it, when it's, I mean, like it's the best when you're in your body, you're like, wait a minute, this feels amazing. I see what the fuss was all about. You can experience <laughs> pleasure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <I'm> alone. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. Cause I do feel like, and I, I don't know as much about it, but like the BDSM culture is so about advocating for your own pleasure. Is it? I mean, I think from, I I mean, obviously it's kind of different for everybody, but I think that, um, it, one of the, one of the, um, like hardline marketing (laughs) points of this, because it's, because it can go so wrong is really to be very explicit about consent at every kind of step of the way, which is into advocating for one's own pleasure. And I think because it is so based on like not necessarily conventional, pleasurable experiences mm-hmm. that it takes into account kind of a very broad spectrum and like very kind of build your own 
fantasy of like what do you actually want it makes it makes it possible to name it in a, in a context where like you know hashtag no kink shaming like you can yeah. kind of you you can be received even if it feels very vulnerable um mm, that's and, cool and also there's this woman uh andrea glick her instagram is at somatic witch and she talks a lot about um i love the somatic witch <laughs> that, right, that, that somatic like a kind of somatic experience and somatic healing can take place within um bdsm practices because it's all about kind of like what do i want what sensation am i experiencing like and and how do i experience it emotionally and also physically within my body like is it like mm. or thuddy like you know this kind wow. of, and and i think that that can be very helpful I, and i think that you know part of my own um experience within bdsm has been like this allows me to be in my body in a way that i didn't I didn't know I was missing and also wasn't able to kind of um, figure out how to do without this is the gateway. Like this is the door, you know, mm-hmm. and now it's easier to do without the kind of like <laughs> the circus, whatever that, whatever that looks like <laughs> without all like the, you know, the bells and whistles, but it was very important to like um, not only in touch, kind of get, get in touch intellectually with, what I actually wanted and who I am sexually, but kind of this, that the part of the beauty of it is that like anything can be charged with this erotic energy because mm. it doesn't have to be just like <laughs> man, woman rubbing bodies together. Like, <laughs> it can be in, in practice. It can be, it's, it's quite a spirit. It can, it, it's possible to make it almost a spiritual thing, you know, like, yeah. 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 I totally <laughs> see that. I that's really fascinating. I've never thought about it that way, but I I can absolutely see that. That's so interesting. I also love that um <laughs> the man woman rubbing bodies together was like kind of Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> <laughs> My favorite uh, to embody what I discussed. <laughs> like <laughs> regular sex. <laughs> I think he's a perfect embodiment of that. Yeah. <laughs> wait can i just pause to say that there was like a public announcement i don't know if you guys saw this it's amazing if you have not seen it go on twitter you'll find it eventually but it was like arnold schwarzenegger giving a seven minute speech on how insurrectionists are bad oh my god (laughs) at minute and it's beautiful he talks about like his own trauma about like how everybody after the second world war because he grew up in austria (laughs) was like this is not funny this is about nazis was like drinking themselves to death because of their shame and then, oh my god! And, and like that shame, um, that like a, a country going through this growing period can go one of two ways. It's very beautiful and very moving. But at minute five, around minute five, he takes out his Conan the Barbarian sword, <laughs> and it's oh. like this is Conan's sword. <laughs> <It's> insane. <laughs> so yeah, uh, uh, sex icon. Amazing. <laughs> Oh my gosh, I feel like that's exactly like totally personifies like or sums up him in a nutshell where you're just like you're like is this is this guy just a joke cuz sometimes he says things so but perfect. also yeah, it's just ve- you can't totally pin him down. <laughs> no, it's very slippery. Even if he's yeah. confinement, he did another video <laughs> with that he invited all of his like he has a surprising number of miniature horses. into his house and he was like we are (laughs) staying in confinement me and all of my friends and his donkeys were like biting each other and he's like stop it girls (laughs) (laughs) shut the fuck up 
Who is this person? What this is amazing. This is my favorite thing I've heard. He has miniature horses. <laughs> At least one. Not like oh three small equines. <laughs> oh my God. I think that makes me like him way more. Yeah, me too. <laughs> sure. It doesn't right. just mean like Republican, you know? <laughs> like, yeah. Real person. <laughs> very confusing. Very, nope. very confusing. Yeah. What an enigma. <laughs> Talking about um, people we have in our home, I'm trying to loop this conversation back into the topic. Let me watch. Go for it. Watch why. I'm excited. (laughs) Talking people we invite into our home, miniature horses, ponies, and other such things. It sounds like you have a really powerful connection with your circle of female Amazing. (laughs) (laughs) They're always nibbling each other, and I have to say, stop it, girls. (laughs) (laughs) How do you intentionally motivate this kind of relationship with other women? Oh, I mean, I love that you picked up on that because that is just such a core piece of me. Um, And it, I mean, I don't, I can't, I can't not have it. Like it is my, it's like my lifeline is, um, and, and even though, you know, the cast has changed throughout my life, I've pretty much always had just like a very close tribe of, of female friends. I think awesome. female friendship is, it certainly is one of the best earthly pleasures I've ever received. Um, and how we've done it. I mean, I have a, a zoom, a weekly zoom with, with my close girls. Um, oh, that's so cool. And we like, we haven't missed a week since, since the pandemic started. So, and that's just been, it's been so incredible because in this 10 months, it's like uh, two of them have had babies. Um, uh, three of them have moved. Um, like it's, it, it, we've had marriages fall apart and come back together. I mean, it's like so much life has happened and we really just sit and hold space for each other. And, um, and it's just, it's so important. It's really, I don't know. It's one of those things I can't explain, but like when I'm like naked in a hot tub with my girlfriends, I just feel like I'm exactly where I was made to be. <laughs> oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. Wow. It's such a gift. It's such a gift. So, and it does, I mean, it takes cultivating in the sense that you, you stay there for each other and you stay connected, but also I have to have the type of friends, and this is something I've learned in my 30s, of where like you can not talk for four months and then and nobody's just like, um, what the fuck? <laughs> you know, like we're like, I don't know, I was clearly going through something. And there's a lot of like flexibility in that. Nobody feels like they really owe anybody anything. They're just we're just there for each other, you know. That's really that's so interesting and beautiful. Like how how do we get that? I feel like that's so present in female relationships to be at that point of like, you fucking owe me, bitch. Like, <laughs> I like hardcore showed up for you like 10 years ago, remember? And like then this, I don't know, I have, I have had in the past relationships built on that and have definitely, you know, approaching 40s start to let go of that shit, right? Like, yeah, yeah. finally. But, you know... But, you know, why do, why is women, because I don't see, I mean, maybe I am just being totally broad across the gender around this, but certainly guys or men that I've had in my life certainly don't have that. It's this bond that we create. And I'm the same. I've always had these like inseparable female bonds. They're so important to me. Mm. And 
you know, like you said, the cast changes and shifts and it's beautiful, but then it can become like, it's no longer serving us at this age, is it? To be like, you fucking owe me. Yes. Yeah. And I feel like as soon as I got even just one friend who I felt just like be so flexible and flowy and spacious and like truly... I didn't have to like walk on eggshells of like, I'm going to disappoint you if I don't, you know, check in every week or something. As soon as I had even just one friend like that, I was like, oh, I I just kind of started dropping the friends that I had that weren't that way. Because it's like, if this is possible, then I can't, I don't need to be like stressing out about these people. And I'm the next. And it yeah. is a chemistry thing. I mean, some people, they, they, those friends need to find somebody else like them and where that's what friendship is to them. Mm. Um, but, but yeah, well, Pete has often said like he, he'll have moments of feeling kind of envious that, that like men don't seem to really have. And, and I think maybe there is some sort of masculine version of it, but, um, but certainly not with Pete. Like he, he loves his friends, but it is not the same. Um, yeah. It's not the same kind of support group. I don't know. I kind of think, I tend to think it's like, well, women have been sitting in circles uh, since the beginning of time supporting right. each other and like helping each other put like, postpartum and and like dancing around fires and helping each other through like all going into a tent and having their periods together like it's just why don't we do that anymore what the fuck happened to the period tent oh i need the period period tent at least like once every six months on the show it's so awesome (laughs) i thought it up and you're like yeah no that's one of my causes Yeah, the period tent and the postpartum tribe. It's you it's so important. You'll see. I have such a good memory of of like being like two weeks postpartum and five of my girlfriends just like like a parade coming into the house and like instantly one of them takes the baby, the other one does dishes, one of them starts cooking, the other one's like, How are you feeling? And I'm just like, oh. <laughs> like we need this. We're not meant yeah. to do this alone. Yeah. Oh my god, my heart goes out to women who've had children in COVID, like, and not being able to see people. It breaks my heart because I think there's so much that we're wrapped into this motherhood story of like, and then the baby comes and everyone comes over, Community. and we do the visit, and then we're out and we do these little teas outside with the screaming shitty thing. And- <laughs> And not happened. I for this last bit. I really think they like deserve like a purple heart or something. Like it's yeah. So I don't. I don't understand it. It's so. It already feels really lonely and isolating, even when you have those things at times. Um, because you're the only one that's really going through what your body's experiences. Um. So yeah, I. I really. Like those women are the strongest. I don't, yeah. I don't know how they're doing it. It's it's. They need awards. Yeah, let's make awards and just send out awards. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like the kind of social structures around birth and death are like kind of disintegrated at the moment, which is really it's yeah. tough. But I'm excited for the other side when we get to do all the celebrating together. The celebrating in yeah. the morning, I guess. Yeah, Ooh, like yeah. 
I keep feel- me at home, fucking home if you dare. <laughs> yes, exactly. I know. I know. We were gonna like maybe try for another kid and like. I mean, I think it, we were talking about December or like June, around this time, and I was like, I can't, I can't. I want to like. I want at least a few months of going out before <laughs> right. that happens again. <laughs> need a party. I mean, yeah, I need yeah. whatever that looks like. <laughs> Yes, exactly. Socially interact comfortable all the time. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And and so I mean, <laughs> I have no graceful pivot here. I'm just gonna like throw it into the room. Um so like yeah, how are you using everything that we've talked about, right? Like the kind of the embodiment, the spirituality, the uh sexuality. How how is this informing your work as as a creator? Because I know that you're also a poet. Mm. I mean, yeah, when you're healing your trauma, it it does make for good poems usually. <laughs> um yeah, I think be like I'm so inspired when I can really be in my body and communicate and like and like allow a moment of healing to happen. It, I almost always write a poem after that cuz it's just it's truly so inspiring and like depending on how you think of create i think of creativity as like just a collaboration with life force so when you are really present and open cuz the whole the whole act for me is just like can i open to this can i be open can i not shut down um and you do open yourself up to like yeah your pain and your fears but you're also opening yourself up to like beauty and creativity and um and just like yeah, pure life force. So it's definitely been a big part of, and then I always like, I think one of my coping mechanisms, so it might not be fully healthy, um, is to like (laughs) put a story around something. If I can just like, uh, contain Mm. a scary feeling within a poem or within an essay about it, um, that's really that's really helpful to me. I mean, it's also I think oh, yeah. like a sub almost like it's almost sublingual because it's not necessarily about like knowledge or understanding, right? It's about like the feeling. But if I mm-hmm. if it can be useful, then yeah. <laughs> if I then I can transform it and then I can control it. Is what I yes. tell myself. <laughs> yes. But, yeah. No, yeah. it is useful, and it and it also helps other people. I'm so like blown away lately that in general, humans are having the same kinds of feelings. <laughs> like we all seem yeah. to be like, wait, I like anxiety is a thing. Depression is a thing. Loneliness is a thing. Like you guys are experiencing these too, but like you're so different from me. And it's mm-hmm. like, no, we're, we're kind of having the same experience. And I think that's been such a gift that we, I was telling Pete, we were on a walk yesterday I was like, I feel really lucky that I live at this time. And he was like, what? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's not something people are saying right now. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But I was just like, we, I'm learning kind of the same things from my therapist as my spiritual teachers, as like, like neuroscientists that I'm interested in and somatic healers that I'm interested in. We're all, they all kind of are aligned with basically what I've said, this practice of just, uh, of allowing and be being present with yourself. Um, and we, so I'm like, we know so much now about anxiety and depression 
we know like what to do about it in general. Obviously there's different degrees and there's, you know, different things that are needed by different people. But we also know that everybody, for the most part, most people are experiencing that on some and, you know, part of the spectrum. Especially right now when we can't distract ourselves. Yes. We're all kind of alone with our, with our own minds and our own patterns. Um, So that feels, whenever I feel lonely and separate, I just kind of go back to that. Like, wow, we're the same. We're going through this kind of human experience together. I don't know about you though. I was just listening to you say that. And I was thinking about like, wow, what a fucking fantabulous like perspective, because I definitely found it quite disappointing at one point discovering that, mm-hmm. that we're all the fucking, you know, you're just like, oh, you do? Everyone goes to do this. <laughs> oh no. I thought it was like really unique and special and wise and creative. And my soul was perfectly harmoniously, artistically, creatively expressing itself in a way that no one fucking else did. And it was just like, no, we get to, I love what you said in your podcast last week, actually. We are like, it's kind of arrogant of us to think that we're not going to experience anxiety, that I get to be free of this somehow. Like, it gets to bypass me. Like, what's up? Not me. I don't get to do anxiety. Sounds like a new problem. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, but it's also like, actually, in that frame, it can be very helpful for kind of engendering compassion for people who I'm just like, what the fuck are you on? You know, like, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. From othering. It's like, oh, so this is how you're dealing with your anxiety and depression. Like, that's your God. You know, like, wow. Wow. What an intense coping mechanism. Yeah. You're like, oh, you're afraid too. You're afraid just like me. Yeah. But that, like, I mean, yeah, to your your point, Rose, it's like we all deal with that differently. And there are really beautiful ways to deal with that. And then there are really ugly ways to deal with the wound too. So that's where the differentiation comes in. Yeah, no, (laughs) totally, totally. No. And, you know, I don't need to have some like very specific creative language for my own pain. I think it's the most like arrogant thing I could possibly think of, but (laughs) it was the thoughts which I wanted to share. Yeah, I loved it. And it is, it makes me think of like the reason why this is, it's beautiful. The reason why we love art and, you know, any kind of expression yeah. is because it resonates with us. If if it had mm-hmm. not, if there was no part of us that could relate to that, it wouldn't it wouldn't be interesting. But because Absolutely. you're like, oh, this is what how you show your pain. Cool. This is how I show my pain. <laughs> you know. Yeah. And that they get to. I remember standing in front of a Rothko once at the Tate Gallery in London, and just stood there in front of this fucking Rothko, and I was just like. <clears throat> And I just could finally cry about my friend who had passed and I hadn't been able to cry even at the fucking funeral. And I was just suddenly, it just, and I was like, how does that? And I remember like buying a trite Rothko postcard at the gallery shop afterwards, putting it on my wall and just being like, it's not cutting. (laughs) I wanted to remember and contain that moment forever because I was like, this is the fucking power of art that nobody can you can't explain that to somebody unless they're viscerally having that experience with, I don't know. And it hits at so many different times, like the way you describe music and a baby just being like, I know how to burn. <laughs> <Yeah. You know? Yes. laughs> all of that happens. It's the language of the heart really, isn't it? You know? uh, it's it. Yeah. I mean, I really, 
the way that I like get there, which is just like presence and and feeling connected with and like held by the universe is, is more frequently through the heart space. It's through really like contemplating things like that. Like there's beauty and there's people helping each other and there's art that we both, that we like share in this experience that we share. And um, that's just the quickest way there for me is, is through the heart basically. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I love yeah, that story. <laughs> the biggest heart conversation ever. I like did a, like a little pray ritual before because I was I love a little ritual, and I was just like, made, and I brought my fucking crystals to the party. Yeah. So I was like, no shits on when the crystals are coming, <laughs> and I was like, maybe it's been the most heartful conversation yet, and it's just like is, and I'm like, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> you blessed us. You gave us a benediction. I love that. Thank you, the crystals. <laughs> So um, before we kind of start to wind down and go through the lightning round and and tell you how awesome you are some more, um, would you mind sharing with us a poem? Because we really love your work and we would love to share with our listeners. Thank you so much for asking. Um, Yeah, I was actually thinking because we were talking about motherhood and and, um, trauma therapy, this kind of this one has all these things. (laughs) The same. <laughs> so it's obviously oh it's obviously like a real uplifter. <laughs> it's like really like easy breezy light, kind of silly. No. Um, it's, okay. it's a little heavy, but uh, so it's called motherhood. You slept extra long today, like somehow you knew I was in the other room sobbing into a pillow. Is there no way to keep this from reaching you? I've carried the pain of every generation before me until it became my own. I swallowed up every secret. I learned how to lie from my parents. If you have the strength one day, my love, pick up your shovel and dig. Under those lies, you'll find there is shame. And if you keep digging, you'll find sadness. Keep digging still until you cannot bear it. And when you finally give up, you'll see what lies beneath it all. And you'll recognize it. You'll know it. It's in everything. It's in my tears. It's in the rocks you collected in your bucket today. It's how you knew to sleep a little longer so I could cry for all that we carry. And it's in the way you are making me into the mother you deserve. I know. (laughs) Me too. <laughs> Is it weird to cry at your own poem? No, it's perfect. I've, my own songs have made me cry before, which is always like, oh, fuck, like, what's happening? I love the way you write it as well. Like, hearing people read their own poetry, I always just think it's just so fantastic because it's such, like, you're so connected to that. And I love the images of all the little rocks in the bucket. Oh, <laughs> She loves rocks, man. She loves rocks. <laughs> Fucking, we're sending her crystals. Yes, she must. She must be a witch. She is yeah, a thousand percent. Army of witches. It's <laughs> <Yes>, a coven. <laughs> Wait, there's a word so for sharing your work. Um, and so finally, before we descend into the lightning round, uh, when are you going to start your own podcast? Because we want to hear yes. more. No pressure. <laughs> You, you, and your your uh, Pete to shut up. 
Boy. Um, yeah. Um, no, I, I, it's, I, I consider it, I go back and forth. I think you guys have really figured something out where like, I think I would want to do it with a friend. Um, I just, it just works better that way for oh, me. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a collaborator. I'm not a solo artist. That's it. Um, so yeah, I think just like we, I'm waiting for that to feel flowy in the right time. We but cannot wait. I love that. Oh, I can't wait. Full support. Can't wait. Yeah. So, lightning round. Bing, bing, bing. What's on your nine stands? Ooh, um, two giant vibrators. Oh, yes. <laughs> that that like look like microphones. They're the it's the magic wand, so they look like oh, yeah. you know, like shoulder uh, massagers. They're about the size uh, yeah. of a forearm. Like they're huge. Yeah, they are. They're like it's like this. And, um, and they look like microphones. So my daughter uh, will often open it. I mean, it's not like on the nightstand, it's in a drawer. Right. But okay, good. She, she loves to like open it and like sing in them. And there are times where we're just, <laughs> it happens so often where we're just like in the living room and she comes out like carrying both of them and they're like the size of her torso. <laughs> Um, so it's, it. it's very important that I like keep them clean. And if, if you're wondering why I haven't put a child lock on that drawer, I have no idea. It's I need because to it's hilarious. It. Yeah, I think it's because I kind I'm of sorry, think Emma. yeah. And she'll she's now learned how to turn it on, so she puts it on her belly and goes tickles. <laughs> you're like, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> you're like, yeah. <laughs> Fucking does. Yep. Damn. <laughs> it's only a matter of time until she just moves like a few inches south. And then we'll have to be like, okay, we're going to leave the room. We'll just let you have your moment. <laughs> so glad you're discovering oh embodied pleasure. This is weird yeah, for all of us. Exactly. <laughs> um, other than hilarious child carrying vibrators, uh, what do treats look like for you? Like mm. Treats, like, like, like food treats or any treats or like sex treats? Any treats. Well, I do, I just automatically go to food, which is, but more of like an experience, uh, which is like, I I mean, my favorite, like one of my all time favorite things is, and I haven't been able to do it in the pandemic, but is like sitting in an outdoor cafe by myself, eating a chocolate croissant with a cappuccino. It's very friendly. I'm sure it's like next level quality there. Um, I don't, I like, I love to be left alone with a chocolate croissant. <laughs> I want to be able to give it my full attention. Fuck yes. <laughs> Beautiful. Oh, I love so that. good. <laughs> Hell yes. Yeah. What's a tune you hear that makes you want to jump up and down? Um, well, I don't know about jump up and down, but when I hear anything by Beyonce or Lizzo, I like, I, I, it's like, I get possessed. I can't, I like, I black out and I'm like, I, my friend has a video of me uh, at a Beyonce concert. We found like this like open area where we were just dancing and when she showed me it, I was like, Who's I have that? no recollection of that. And I have no, I don't think I've ever looked like that. <laughs> um, specifically formation though. That is uh, that song. It's like, if it came oh. on right now, I would have to recuse myself. 
amazing formations on yeah. 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 Awesome. we love you <laughs> and finally what adjective sums up your family silly oh i think that we are the silliest billiest people <laughs> like i i <laughs> i come from a long line of silly people like my my grandpa is the silliest man i know and it's been like there's there's a lot of like you know dysfunction and pain in our family but like whenever we get together we are just so silly and we laugh so we can ma- make each other oh. laugh in a way that like no one else can and I really, it was like top of my list when I was looking for a partner. I was like, they have to be very silly. And I found oh hell yes, the silliest man alive. I think it was in my vows actually. Uh, I, something like when I don't, I can't explain it, but when you pull down your pants and drum on your butt cheeks, I just know I'm exactly where I'm meant to be. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god may I also interject that like the the morning that I think we asked you to like because we texted you via Insta- we I to, <laughs> slid up into your dms like a long time ago and then didn't hear back so I just like slid up in there again and was like oh, maybe you didn't get our email because it says fuck yes over sex in our email account it's maybe spam but um that the the reason I thought to do so is because in your Instagram stories of that day was your husband swinging your baby by her feet into a tower of paper towels. <laughs> like, it was a wrecking ball. Yes. Was like shrieking with laughter. It was awesome. And I was like, this is my podcast. Yes. Oh, I love that. They are always up to tricks like that. I mean, like it, it took me a while to get used to. There's videos of her, him like throwing her on the bed at like six months, but like she's really, she's like a rough and tumble kid. She loves it. Nice. So, rocks, uh, world. Yes. <laughs> what did she, you want in a daughter? <laughs> I know, I know. And she is, she has gotten silly. She started to like try, try to make us laugh with just like weird faces and sounds. And I, I'm loving oh. it. Yeah. <laughs> A person. She's a person. It turns out they just—they're just people. It's so weird. So weird. Not just like mini celebrities who come out of your vagina. You're like, well, they are. Live at my house. (laughs) Yeah, we certainly treat her like she's the celebrity. The we call her the queen of the house. (laughs) Oh, yay! Yeah. And finally, where can people find you on the internet if if they should so desire? (laughs) Um, the best way to find me is on Instagram. Um, it's Valerie and Cheney because my middle name is Anne. And when I was a kid, I, I thought my name was like, these are my two names, Valerie and (laughs) Cheney. Yes. Uh, so that's the best way to find me. I'm not great at other social media. I haven't figured out how to, (laughs) I've lost the login info on my Twitter. So so I find it very confusing. It's not. It's not a great platform. Are we allowed to say that? Yeah, I mean, it feels like they're like a superpower in the in the world. But yeah, it's not great. I feel like there's two types of people. People who get Twitter, like my husband loves Twitter. It's the only thing he's on. And Louise is good at Twitter. Mm. And then I went on Twitter and I was like, how <laughs> <laughs> is this working? Yeah. <laughs> like, wait, are they sending that message to me or is that to everybody? <laughs> exactly. If I... 
No, but I just, and then I'm like, oh, I just reshared their post. I didn't mean to by just like liking what I thought was like. It just doesn't feel intuitive to me. Yes, I agree. I agree. Yeah. Thanks, Twitter. We won't be trying to reach either of you on Twitter. (laughs) But Instagram it is. And thank you so much for joining us today on Sober Sex. It's been such a true delight. Please come back anytime you, you care to. Uh, come back. Have me tomorrow. tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. Let's go. Part two. Yeah. Part two, ladies and gentlemen, we'll be coming up. Thank you so much, Valerie. Thank you. Woo. Be friends. Yes. Yeah. Yeah.